1: Welcome into another Orange Fizzcast. Jaron May, I'm your host this time, and this time I have a special guest, Anish Sharaf, who is working with ESPN, is an SU grad, and is kind of a lax expert, and that's why he is joining us here on this Fizzcast to break down the men's lacrosse players on our SU Top 100. Anish, thanks so much for taking the time.
0: Glad I could help.
1: All right, so let's uh, let's first get all the, the nitty-gritty out of the way, so I have to do this. If you want to go check out our SU Top 100, go to our website, orangefizz.net, follow us on Twitter, at Orange and of course, listen to all of our audio content on our SoundCloud page right here, at Orange Fizz. Um, but again, for our SU Top 100, we've been releasing it for the past couple weeks. If you've been following it, you can find all of our information out there. And we have quite a few men's lacrosse players, because when you look at the men's lacrosse program at Syracuse, it has a long lineage of amazing players, outstanding coaches, and of course, a lot of winning seasons and national championships. So 20 of the top 100 uh, players on our SU Top 100 are from the men's lacrosse team. So Anish, I know I sent you the list earlier and just when you first look at it, what are your overall thoughts with the actual players that got named to our top 100 list?
0: So I had a question for you when I looked at the list. Where is Jim Brown? And I understand he played another sport, might be near or at the top of the overall list. But yep. I was wondering, did, did Jim Brown factor in
1: Jim Brown as a is, lacrosse player? Jim Brown is number one. Um, and he was technically, when I, when I was sending out the list, when I thought of him first, I thought of him as a football player. But you're right. Obviously, he did have that men's lacrosse career as well.
0: Yeah, I think if you look at Jim Brown just as a lacrosse player, uh, you're probably looking at a guy, certainly, I think, in the top five. Um, really? There's not a lot of facts and figures maybe to support that, but if you look at anecdotal evidence and you hear the stories from those that played against him, um, Dick Schaff, uh Jeremy Schaff's father and the great sports journalist, uh, in his memoir had a, a great passage when Dick Schapp was the goalie at Cornell, how terrified he was of, <laughs> of Jim Brown thundering downfield with the stick pinned to his chest back when you can do that. and. I think the story goes that uh, you know Schapp made a few saves on Jim Brown, but Brown took four other shots, which all went in, and uh, the description was somewhere along the lines of, you know, he was running on telephone poles, but uh, <laughs> the telephone poles never move so fast. So, you know, the the legend, the myth of Jim Brown as a lacrosse player, and certainly what he did on the field. Um, you talk to people who saw him play, and you talk to people from that era; they say, you know, we've never seen another lacrosse player like him, and certainly from an athletic standpoint, we saw what he did as a football player. Mm -hmm. I don't really think there's um, any reason to doubt that.
1: Exactly. And that's why he comes in at number one on our SU top 100 list. But now let's go to the opposite side of the list and let's kind of work our way down. So there's 20 out of the top 100 from the men's lacrosse team. And I'm not going to ask you about every single one, but I do have a couple questions and I want to get your takes on a couple of them. Uh, Ben Williams, obviously one of, I mean, I don't know if I have to qualify it with one of, but the best FOGO in program history, he comes in at 93 on our SU Top 100. Do you think that's an accurate ranking for him?
0: This may be a little biased because a guy that I saw play when I was in school was Mm -hmm. Chris Searcy. And as good as Ben Williams was in a different time period, I'd make the case that Searcy was a better face-off man. Hmm. So... Uh, ben Williams was good, but again, Syracuse was on teams that won championships and teams that got the championship weekend. And, you know, uh, Ben Williams, again, his final game, I believe, that was, what, 2015 mm-hmm. when they were playing Johns Hopkins and they lost in the quarters. And when it came down to the biggest face-off of the season there at the end, he lost that face-off. And I'm not trying to judge a guy on just one face-off, mm-hmm. but, you know, Syracuse lacrosse, it's kind of like Yankees baseball where – When you start to separate, you know, um, the very good players from the great players, I think ultimately you have to look at did they win? And winning elevates players in this program, and I think winning elevates how these players are remembered. So for me, uh, personally, uh, a guy like Chris Searcy I thought was – I would have him ahead of Ben Williams on the list.
1: Okay. So you bring up a good point right there. And it's it's so difficult to differentiate these men's lacrosse players because it's such a winning program, and it's kind of like splitting hairs. And I've used that uh, that terminology a lot in these casts so far. But other than winning, and because there's a lot of players that were great and also won, when you get down to it, if you want to first put the the kind of qualifier on okay they have to be a winner all right so that cuts down the list to a little more how do you at least in your opinion what do you use to cut down the list even more after uh the whole winning and having a maybe a national championship or a deep playoff run
0: yeah you know syracuse is interesting because they load up on talent so Mm -hmm the sheer numbers of one individual may not be the sheer numbers of an individual at a lesser program with lesser surrounding talent, right? There's more points, more goals, more assists to go around. But I go back to the postseason element. You look at lacrosse, the most prestigious individual honor in the game is the Tawaritan Trophy. Mm-hmm. That is awarded after the postseason, and how you play in May matters. And, You know, for a lot of the great Syracuse players, they had great moments in May. They won championships. They won multiple championships. Uh, And so for the recent crop, I think that is a strike against them, where, you know, in the last decade plus, really since 2010, Syracuse has only been to championship weekend once. Mm -hmm. And those players, some of them are great players, and some of them at any other program would be an all-time talent But at Syracuse, you gotta win. You gotta get at least a championship weekend. You gotta have moments in May, and in the last ten years or so, you know, really the only guy I think that has kind of had a big moment in May has been JoJo Morasco during the last championship weekend run. And what was that? 2013 or 2014? So it's been a while. 2013. At Syracuse, you know, it's one of those programs like Johns Hopkins, like Virginia, where you know if you don't win. You could still be remembered as a great player, but you're on that second tier.
1: Mm-hmm. And you bring up a guy that I was actually about to bring up. Jojo Morasco comes in at 88 on our SU top 100 list. And you say that he's just on that old cusp of the winning, but not kind of in the current uh, players where they really haven't had a deep run. Do you think an 88 ranking for Morasco is accurate for what he did at SU?
0: Yeah. And again, we're looking at the overall athletes, right? Not just lacrosse right. players. So I think Jojo Morasco was a guy who uh, I think has a case. Um, I'm not sure if he's one of the top 100 players of all time at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. The reason I say that, you know, this was a guy, let's be fair, his nickname early in his career was so-so and people were wondering, you know, why is he wearing 22? His senior year was special. He, he was a phenomenal midfielder as a senior. Um, but I think when you look at the full body of work, there were other guys who had uh, a greater body of work. But to my previous point, if we talk about hey, postseason matters, uh, JoJo was the reason they got to their last championship weekend. So that to me is the case for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'd probably be a borderline guy. So yeah, I guess <laughs> you put it that way. High eighties in the nineties somewhere would probably be would probably be fitting. Um, again, he's a player that's memorable because of what he did in his or her heroics in that 2013 run.
1: Makes sense. Uh, now, one thing at least when, and let me explain it to you and for all of our listeners. So how we created this SU Top 100 is every single one of the Orange Fizz staff writers filled out their own Top 100 and then we averaged all of those votes together to be able to get the cumulative uh, SU Top 100 which we now have on our Orange Fizz website. So when I was at least filling out and ranking at least the men's lacrosse players, um, it was a little difficult for me to rank the defensive side of the ball because obviously when you look at all of the great attackmen um and the great middies that have gone through Syracuse and have all of the great stats, those are the guys that really stand out. But there's also been so many great goal goaltenders uh, and defensemen so when you look at our list, the SU Top 100 list, and you look down and you see a couple defensemen, but not too many, is that something that we missed? Do you think that there should be a few more defensemen on this list, or do you think that it's kind of accurate comparatively to some of the great SU attackmen that they've had?
0: Well, this has always been an offense-first program, and mm-hmm. even some of the defensemen, and you've got Joel White, who was in LSM, Rick Beardley, uh, those were guys who pushed transition, and those were guys who would take shots on goal and create offense from the defensive end. And that's kind of always been the nature of uh, the defensive players at Syracuse in the past. If anything, uh, maybe you can quibble with McGill being in the top 100, but I would say Beardsley and Joel White are too low. Well. I mean, Joel White, to me, probably a top-ten player in the in the history of the program, to be quite right. honest with you. Um, he was a game-changing, long-stick middie. He won two national titles. I mean, he was on a couple of great teams. Uh, to me, he was the guy that changed how that position uh, evolved. Um, you know, before Joel White, you know, you had some guys. You know, uh, Brody Merrill comes to mind, who can push transition, who can, um, you know, kind of change the way that position has been uh, has been played. And then Joel White, I thought, um, was sort of part of that evolution and. He kind of ushered in, you know, the this string of LSMs that we saw in the last decade who like to move the ball, who like to play offense, who weren't afraid to shoot, the Costa Bills, the Ratliffs, the Sextons. So um, yeah, I, I think Joel White's a top ten player in school history, to be honest with you.
1: Wow. All right. Anisha Roth of ESPN and a former SU grad joining us here on this FizzCast, breaking down the men's across players in our SU Top 100 list that you can find on our website at orangefizz.net. Um, while we make our way down this list, you run into a grouping and you run into basically two families, the Powell's and the Gates. And obviously when you think about men's lacrosse at Syracuse, those are the two families that you think of. All three of the Powell's come in, in the twenties, Ryan Powell at 28, Mike Powell at 23, Casey Powell at 21. So I'm going to ask you a combined question here and you can kind of just give me your general thoughts of the Powell's. Number one, do you think that when you rank those three Powells, is it in order of Casey first, Mike second, Ryan third? And then also, do you think their rankings in the 20s are accurate?
0: Um, I'm going to say no and no. (laughs) So to me, Mike Powell Powell is right behind Gary and Paul Gate as the third best player in the history of the program. He Mm -hmm. was better than Casey, and he was better than Ryan. This is a four-time Attackman of the Year. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who went to championship weekend four times, won two championships, played in a third, won two Tawarton trophies. Now, that's something you can't hold against Casey and Ryan because they didn't have that trophy when they played, but he's one of only two two-time winners of the Tawarton Award and a four-time Attackman of the Year. Mike Powell, simply put, is on the Rushmore of college lacrosse across all programs and all schools. I mean, he's that good. He's up there with Gary Gate and Dave Petramala, and um, you know, you want to throw Paul Gate on there or Wild uh, Thompson, whoever you want, uh, you know, as the third and fourth guys. But Mike Powell is there. you know, to be honest with you, I would probably have Mike Powell ahead of Paul Gate. I think yeah. you know, you have Gary Gate, and then you have Mike Powell. And and there was a there was an element to Powell that I don't think you can quantify. I mean, he's the all time points leader, he broke and Casey's record. Um, but if you watch his highlight, there was an imagination. There was uh, a guy who inspired kids. I mean, his four years in college corresponded and correlated with mine. And I can't tell you how many kids would be outside the dome when we would leave and they'd be waiting for Mike Powell and wear their eye black, just like Mike Powell. Um, every time you watched him play, you saw something that you never saw before. This guy would break ankles, and then he would stop. He'd wait for you to get up. He'd break your ankles a second time just to show you he could. And that second time, he broke your spirit. This is a guy who did a flip in the middle of the game. Uh, he elevated the sport. Um, he was the face of the sport. This guy was to college lacrosse in a lot of ways. What Pete Maravich was to college basketball. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a front-row seat for Mike Powell for four years. And I'll be perfectly honest. If I didn't see Mike Powell at Syracuse and watching the transcendent player for four years, I'm not sure I'm in this role with lacrosse and I'm a lifelong fan of the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of impact he had. I can just tell you personally, I was not a lacrosse guy when I went to Syracuse. I didn't know anything about it. I learned the game and then I learned to love it because I was watching Mike Powell. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'll put it this way. During my time at Syracuse, I saw Dwight Freeney play football and Carmelo Anthony play basketball. And in terms of overall body of work, Mike Powell was the best sports star that Syracuse had in my four
1: years. Wow. Okay. So you obviously want Mike Powell above Casey. I also agree with that sentiment and that opinion. Um, and I've said that a couple times on our FizzCast so far, Mike Powell at 23, Ryan Powell at 28. And again, Casey Powell at 21. Now you talk about watching Mike Powell, and this is just a quick follow-up. Did you know while you were watching him how great he was and that he would turn out to be a Mount Rushmore type of player?
0: Well, there was so much hype. I mean, you, you got to remember, Ryan and Casey had preceded him. And so the third Powell was coming, and it was the third coming. That's how it was built <laughs> um, uh, on the Hill. And so when this guy arrived, the expectations were enormous. Uh, we had heard the stories, hey, he has a chance to be better than his brothers. And then right away when you saw him as a freshman, said, wow. Um, and you know, you don't have to be a lacrosse fan to know when there's a special talent on the floor. You could be watching any sport, and the longer you watch it, you can tell very quickly who the stars are. And this guy made everybody look silly. He made everybody look silly. And again, you're talking about a guy freshman year elite Syracuse to the national championship game, wins the title as a sophomore, back to championship weekend with a bum wrist as a junior, and then caps off his career. Um, with the win against Navy in the championship as a senior. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, he checked off every box. He won. He won big. He had the individual honors. He had scoring records. And, uh, again, there was this uh, aura, uh, this quality about him mm-hmm. that inspired and uh, made you imagine and, and pushed what we thought was possible in this game. So now the more I think about it, um, Gary gave one, Mike Powell too, okay. And I
1: think it's close. So and of course we're not talking about all the sports on this Fizzcast but when you think about yeah, all of across. the all of the SU greats um and across all sports and you then put Mike Powell into that conversation and you had to put him here in this SU top 100 what do you think would be a fair ranking for Mike Powell
0: He's a top 10. I mean, top 10. If Gary Gates is in the top 10, Mike Powell's got to be in the top
1: 10. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so now let's talk about the Gates. So we talked about the Powells. Now the Gates. Paul comes in at 20. Gary Gate comes in at 5. Um, do you think that those are two good rankings for those two?
0: Uh, Gary Gate, you know, at, at 5, when you look at, again, the overall history of all SU athletics, you probably can't quibble with it that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Gate to me is too low. To me, Paul Gate is, uh, you know, either close to the top ten or very near it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, he, uh, I would say low teens, maybe. You got to realize these guys when they came to Syracuse, a couple of Canadians changed the way the game was played. Um, I've talked to guys who played against Paul Gate, and they say this was the best passer that the game has ever seen. And there's a great YouTube clip of him throwing a 35-yard pass behind the back to the crease. (laughs) You just don't see that. And obviously we know what Gary Gate did to me. These guys playing together as brothers, I mean, this was Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig on the same team. I mean, that's pretty much what Syracuse had, and they highlighted the heyday of this lacrosse program, late 80s through 1990, when um, the Orange were just uh, a juggernaut winning three straight titles, even though one's been vacated. Everybody in central New York counts it. So... Uh, you know, I don't think you can have Paul 15 spots behind Gary. Um, mm-hmm. Again, this is Ruth and Gehrig, and we got to see them together just like we did Ruth and Gehrig, and it was a glorious period for Syracuse as it was for Ruth and Gehrig and uh, the Yankees in the late 20s.
1: Anisha of ESPN and a former SU grad joining us here on our Orange Fizzcast breaking down the men's lacrosse players on, in our SU Top 100 now, just a fun question. This doesn't really have anything to do with our top 100, but if you had to choose the Powells or the Gates, which family would you go with With when you're just talking about pure talent?
0: That's a tough one, but you know what? Three is greater than two. So <laughs> If I could have three of one, I'll take three of one over two of the other, as good as those two were.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense. All right, uh, one last question before we wrap up here on this FizzCast we've talked about some amazing players so far who did we miss because obviously there are some other outstanding men's lacrosse players that have gone through the program that probably just slipped our mind when we were making this su top 100 and of course you have your wealth of knowledge of men's lacrosse especially when it comes to syracuse so who did we miss
0: yeah that's a good question you know there's certain guys who've um you know played well over the years um you know, I look at the list, I mean it's a pretty good list, you know, Marichek, Tim Nelson. I think Tim Nelson is, you know, one of the great players in the history of the program, grossly underrated and, and kind of forgotten in, in today's timeline, but he was a big reason this program launched. I don't know if you guys factored in coaching here or was it just players because uh you know certainly the impact the Simmons had, you know, both Roy right. senior and Roy Junior. Um, you know, that's something that comes to mind. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the list off the top of my head. Uh, You know, there are certain guys, you know, I look at Kevin Rice, I look at Dylan Donahue, you know, recent guys. I think Rice deserves to be on the list. Not sure I put Donahue, um, you know, in the top 100. Uh, Zolberti was another great player. Um, You know, Springer, again, played on a stack team with, you know, Mike Powell and Ryan Powell, uh, I should say, you know, Mike Powell at least. Um, And another guy who played in that era, a couple of guys, you know, whose names jumped to mind. Um, who I didn't see. I didn't see John Galloway. Um, I didn't see Galloway.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: John Galloway is the greatest goalie in the history of the program, uh, and one of the great goalies to ever play college lacrosse. I mean, nobody threw an outlet pass better than he did. Multiple-time All-American, won two national titles. Uh, Jay Piper was another guy. Again, goalie in the early 2000s, won a couple of national championships, four-year starter. Um, Cool as a cucumber. Um, he might have had a case to maybe crack the back end of the top 100. Uh, but to me, Galloway is probably the most glaring omission. I think Galloway, um, Yeah, i talking about the greatest goalie in the program, and Um, one of the best goalies in the history of college lacrosse in the last 20, 30 years.
1: So I gave you a little pump fake, and it's partly on you, partly on me, because you brought up the goaltenders, and that made me think of one more question. And we kind of skipped over this guy, Oren Lyons coming in at 17 on our SU Top 100 list, a goaltender from way back when. Now, at least in my opinion, and I'll I'll give you my take and see if you share that same sentiment, um, I think he's kind of overrated because as a pure talent, perspective he wasn't a top 20 player in all of Syracuse athletics however I think he kind of gets a bump because what he means to the Syracuse men's lacrosse program and to the whole Onondaga uh, Native American and bringing the the lacrosse to Syracuse
0: yeah you know and and you can make that case but um listen the the Onondaga nation has always been a big part of what Syracuse lacrosse has done over the years from, you know, Cody Jameson and Sid Smith, uh, the Bucktooth. I mean, there's plenty of guys there. Um, So certainly, yeah, I don't think the numbers maybe back up that kind of ranking, but for what he meant, um, certainly I think that's got to factor in into you know how you rank these guys. But again, I'll say at the end of the day, um, you know, for me, the the, the big omission here is Galloway. Galloway's the guy who's got to be on the top 100. There's... Probably about 10 guys I'm looking at right now who I would,
1: uh, I would have Galloway easily injured. Okay. All right. Well, hey, if we only missed one guy, that's not too bad. Um, okay. But that does it for this. FizzCast breaking down the men's lacrosse players on our SU Top 100 list is Anish Sharaf, an ESPN um, play-by-play guy and a former Syracuse grad. Anish, thanks so much for taking the time. You got it. All right, that is Anisha Raf of ESPN and an SU grad breaking down the men's lacrosse players on our SU Top 100. Go check out all of our content on our website orangefizz.net, on our Twitter page at orangefizz, and our SoundCloud page again at orangefizz. That's gonna do it for this one. I'm Jaron May, signing off. I'll see you next time.